Fire it up, Tom. Let's rip this one tonight. I want to uh, I want to start by reading something, and we can start the show this way. This is pulled from uh, a Reddit site, but it's quoting an interview. Here is former Buffalo Bills running back OJ Simpson speaking about the Aaron Rodgers injury. Quote. 9-11 is just a bad day for New York, end quote. He's apparently, people are uh, getting getting mad at O.J. Simpson. So he might end up in some trouble. He might get canceled. He might be forever known as a pariah for that quote. I want to say, I want to say, and I don't care what happens to me, that I agree with Heisman winner and double murderer O.J. Simpson that 9-11 is in fact a bad day for New York. He's not wrong. <laughs> that's exactly knows, what I said when my brother showed me this. I'm like, he's not wrong. He would know a thing or two about bad days. Any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, fellas? Injuries are part of the sport. Um, football should be played on turf. We've talked about this forever. I don't know. There's nothing else to really say. I mean, it's turf. It's the Northeast. It's wet. There's concrete underneath. It's just stupid. I mean, we have the technology to get rid of it, but NFL is archaic as always. And this is what you get. Here's, here's a great one for you guys. In order to secure a bid for the world cup coming to the U S in uh, 2026, the field must be natural grass by rule. So MetLife Stadium or Meadowlands or whatever the hell they're calling it, it's turf now. They're going to rip the turf out, put in grass for the World Cup, and then rip the grass out and put new turf back in. They're not going to leave the grass when they tear it out. They're going to literally rip out the turf, put in grass, rip it out and put turf back in. That's preposterous. That's infuriating that they would make this natural grass for the French and the Italians and the Spaniards. And then our brave Americans like Aaron Rodgers have to tear their Achilles on turf. By the way, what is up with like the new turf? Every time a guy falls on his face, he gets up with those black pellets looking like he's got the X-Files alien blood all over his face. Can anyone fill me in on what this stuff is? Well, that's ground up tire. That's that is the, the black tire. I mean, is. that's the shit they yeah. have at like my kid's playground. Except yeah, it's, it's ground in up the NFL. tire. Except now they're using even more of it to because they think more of it means more padding, but what they don't realize is more of it means more slippery. So yeah. you do not want to play professional sports on tires. When I coached at Potsdam. They had one of the first field turf fields like that, that like in New York, like not many people had it, you know, before they did. And, uh, I remember like outside of the field between like the field and there was like a softball field and in between there was like this like shed, like, you know, for equipment and stuff. And they just had this huge mound of those pellets, like covered with like a tarp. And just like every now and again, they'd come in and they just like shovel them into wheelbarrows and just like spread it out in the field, like, like grass seed, just like oh, need more pellets. It was kind of ridiculous. So here's what I propose is that every stadium goes back to natural grass, but 
because I know it is expensive to maintain every team. It is that their, their decision of how well and what style of grass and like how well to maintain it. We work me and you, Dan, at a golf course called Pine Grove. And, uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar, who are listening, you think of a golf course and you think of millions of dollars in watering and maintenance and all that. And uh, Pine Grove did not take that approach. This was a golf course that made like $700 a day. And, you know, they just let it go. So there were dirt spots. There were holes and shit. I, I say like, yes, Penn State, Michigan, Tennessee, they're going to have well-maintained grass and a great field. But when you play at Holy Cross or UMass or UConn, there's going to be some holes and some dirt patches. There might be a squirrel climbing out of the ground during the game. Just play like that. All natural. Perfect example. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they split it with Pitt and the high school playoffs. In December, that field is a mud pit and it is an advantage and they deserve it. Yeah, it adds character. Dan? No, I was going to say two things. One, I'm not going to make an excuse for my Pittsburgh Steelers laying an egg against the Niners, but there was a pit home game at night on Saturday night, and then they played the early game in Pittsburgh against the Niners, and the Steelers players were slipping all over the field. Shocker. The Niners somehow are smart and actually wore the right cleats. Yeah, and you're totally right on that. Um, it's just It's just stupid. All right. Uh, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of games and um, it's not a great week, but every time we say that there's a lot of interesting things and games that end up good. So unless you guys have other things you want to talk about, I say, let's get right into it with Dan. Give us a quick recap of last week and let's do some lines. Sure. Uh, University of Texas beat Alabama in Alabama. That's a yeah. big win for the program. They finally got over the hump. Yes, this isn't the best Alabama team, but doesn't matter. Nice uh, win for them. Obviously, last year they thought they could have beat Alabama, but Quinn Ewers got hurt. Um, Texas played amazing, especially in the second half. Uh, their defense looked great. The offense looked fantastic. Um, really good sign for them going into the SEC. You know, that'll help with recruiting for sure to say, hey, look, we just played Alabama and beat them. We're not scared. And, um, you know, huge win there. Um, Nebraska, as expected, terrible. Jeff Sims can't play quarterback. You know, a, a lot of people seem to pile on him. Apparently, they're a little late to the party and didn't realize they listened to take the points the last uh, 18 months. They would know this. Um, but Colorado moves on. There's a lot of Colorado hype for good reason. They're very exciting, but um, we'll find out here as their schedule gets harder. And, um, Outside of that, Pac-12 continues to look good. And uh, Mel Tucker, a uh, little bit of hot water. Um, we'll see what the uh, what unfolds here. Doesn't look good now, but I'm not going to rush to judgment. Uh, it's a little ode to your OJ story earlier, and we'll see uh, what happens. Yeah, I agree. It's not looking good is all we need to say at this point. Um, we'll we'll make fun of him at a later date after he gets fired. But for now, let's get into the lines for week three. What do we got, Dan? All right, here we go. Uh, we're starting early on Saturday, Florida State at Boston College. This is the annual Boston College game where they honor someone who was like, has to do with September 11th. I'm not sure of all the details. Allegedly, they're motivated for this game. 
and officially it will not matter. This Boston College team is awful. They lost to Northern Illinois week one. Uh, Northern Illinois laid an egg week two. Uh, they almost lost to Holy Cross last week. Jeff Halfley is making Steve Adazio look like Nick Saban. They have no good players, no good coaches. This is the ultimate sandwich spot for Florida State. They are at Clemson next week, which is pretty much their Super Bowl or whatever the equivalent is in college. All the intangibles say to lay off this game, but I just don't think it matters. I think Florida State could just hand it off up the middle and win 42-3. to um, Florida State minus 27 over under 48. So, yeah, they're saying that the final score is going to be 38-10 to Florida State, which sounds about right to me. I will not bet on Boston College the entire year. You have my word. Lay it with Florida State. Tom, what you think? So you're right. Traditionally, this would be a tricky spot because normally it would be colder up here. And a lot of times they make this a night game and Florida State is, you know, or Clemson or whoever, the Southern team that's not used to colder temperatures, especially in September, early October, they come up to BC, they play a seven o'clock game against a, you know, okay, somewhat sneaky BC team. And then you realize in the fourth quarter, oh, it's a three-point game. But this game's at noon. It's unseasonably warm. They're not going to feel any uh, effects of the weather. And um, yeah, this Florida State team's really good. This Boston College team stinks. The only thing you got to watch out for, we have a uh, hurricane tracking off the coast up here that is supposed to hit somewhere around Maine on Saturday. So it looks like it may miss Massachusetts, but it might get some rain. It's something to watch because um, that could obviously hamper the amount of scoring in a game if it's pouring the whole time. So the only thing that can stop Florida State in this game would be the weather. Um, This is your shutout game of the week. This is the game where if you can find a prop bet for a shutout, this is the shutout spot. 45 nothing, nice and easy. Moving on. I like it, Ryan. That's a, that's a pretty sharp take. All right, the next one, real quick. Uh, Penn State at Illinois. Penn State minus 14.5, over under 48.5. Penn State looking very nice. Drew Aller, solid, running game, great. All, Penn State, everything's all rosy. Illinois lost at Kansas pretty badly. Kansas uh, beat the hell out of them. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that on Friday night. It was never close. Illinois' offense looked terrible. They have uh, that transfer from Alt, from uh, Ole Miss, Luke Altmyer, quarterback. He's not the answer. Tom, I know Penn State to Illinois is always a scary thing. We've been on our – Oh, yeah. We, we've been aware of it for 29 years. Um Go ahead, take this one away. 14 and a half, 48 and a half total. Yeah, at, traditionally as a Penn State fan, at Iowa and then closely followed by at Illinois are the ones where uh, you get a little worried even when Penn State looks clearly better. However, just like we said with Florida State, BC, this year is different. Uh, not only did Illinois lose, but as you mentioned, the way they lost. I mean, they got dominated. They're supposedly good defense. From last year is not what it used to be. We said they they had both of their corners were drafted pretty highly, and so they lost them. Their line play doesn't look like what it was before. Their run game doesn't look like what it was before. This um, It's early, and they could turn it around. I could look like a fool, 
but I'm going to say Illinois looks bad and Penn state looks real good. And to me, there's only two or three lines I like this week, but this one looks great. I feel like this is way off and it should be like at least a 24 point line. I think Penn state's, uh, I think it's gonna be close in the first half and Penn state's going to pull away late. I think they win by 20 plus lay it. Brian. I like what Tom said. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, enroll with the Nittany Lion fan over there. A little bit scary uh, with uh, Drew Aller's first real road start, but I'm not scared of Illinois either. Do not bet Boston College. Do not bet Illinois. Even if they cover, it's the wrong pick. Let's move on to the SEC. Another. This is a weird one early in the day. LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, LSU minus nine and a half. Uh, total 54 and a half. LSU trying to get back on track after a week one embarrassing performance against Florida State. Um, then they had a cupcake last week. Mississippi State went to overtime against University of Arizona. Not a great sign. They are trying a slightly new system, obviously post-leech. Um, I'm going to take this one because uh, I like the SEC. I like Mississippi State in this game, plus the nine and a half. Um, their quarterback uh, Will Rogers has been there for three, four years now, and I think they can keep this close, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to win either. Um, I, I don't know if this LSU team's actually that good. They looked so bad week one. I'm not ready to lay double digits with them on the road. You know the crowd's going to be wild. There will be cowbells and all that stuff. It's a spot where I'd rather have the nine and a half points than lay it. Um so give me Mississippi State and maybe the under two, but definitely Mississippi State. Ryan? Um, you know, I I just have a hard time going Mississippi State after watching them last week. They were they did not impress me at all. Uh, I picked Arizona to win that game. Arizona should have won that game and could have won that game. Um, that just scares me off a lot for that reason. I'm going to go under on this game and only the under. Z. What is the total? 54 and a half. Yeah, under probably makes sense. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hold that first week against LSU too much until I see some more. They played a really great Florida State team that had a really good matchup against various positions. Uh, and Brian Kelly's just changing the character of LSU so much that you know, we see it and it's not the physical LSU team that we're used to. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they suck or they're going to get killed, especially against the weaker team. So I don't like nine and a half. I, I mean, I'd be tempted to probably take the points, but I think it's pretty close. So under for me and I'm staying away from the line. All right. Uh, okay. Let's move on to, uh, Central Michigan at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame minus 34 and a half. Total 51 and a half. Central Michigan, not great. Notre Dame, the nice win at NC State. I was wrong on that one. Um, Sam Hartman, 20 to 1 to win the Heisman. Um, I think you might want to put a couple bucks on that because if they beat Ohio State next week, he's going to be top three. And if it's close with him and Caleb Williams at the end of the year, he's going to win. And if it's close between him and anyone else at the end of the year, he's also going to win. Um, I don't like Notre Dame. I never have. But 
I think I'm going to bet a little bit tonight on Sam Hartman to win the Heisman just as a happiness hedge. Um, that's all I have to say about this game. Do you guys have a pick? They're good, man. And uh, yeah, like I regret to inform you that Notre Dame is good this year and it's because of Sam Hartman. I mean, they've always been kind of on the cusp of being a pretty good team the last few years, but they're always missing the quarterback play and maybe a couple other things. They've got the quarterback play now and that makes a huge difference. And uh, I don't love him traditionally, but I, I just love what Hartman did at Wake that I'm going to be rooting for him and uh, by, you know, by association, I guess, Notre Dame. But I think they are in the, that like 12 team mix of teams that we identified at the beginning of the year that could be playoff teams. Will they be, you know, who knows, but he's great. I I'm with you. I think he's going to be on that stage at the end of the year in New York city, uh, whether he wins or not, we'll see, but I think he's going to be there. And I think Notre Dame's going to win this one easily. Ryan. Nah, no feel. It's, it's a lot of points. They should cover it, but I'm not laying that much. Very good. All right. Another mid afternoon game. South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia minus 27 and a half, total 54 and a half. Spencer Rattler going to Georgia. Georgia is the only SEC team that has not have any uh, egg on their face to this point. Well, maybe Tennessee as well, but we'll get to them. Um, they haven't been tested. They haven't played anybody. South Carolina's offensive line was awful uh, against North Carolina, which isn't exactly a defensive uh, juggernaut. Um Makes it a little bit scary. 27 and a half is a lot of points for a team that will play all 60 minutes and definitely go for a backdoor. Uh, Ryan, steer us in the right direction on this one. You're right. You already said it. The backdoor is so open in this game. Rattler is such a dick. He's like, they're going to keep him in too, like, because they want him to get stats and all that. So, like, even if they're losing like 38. 10 like he's still going to be in there slinging it throwing it all over the place like that that number just terrifies me that's way too many points but i would never ever take south carolina in this spot so this to me is a hundred percent stay away but another game in which if you can find a prop for a defensive touchdown this is the game that i expect rattler to throw a pick six or a strip sack Something like that. There's going to be a defensive score in this game by Georgia. Tom. Yeah, I, I agree with Ryan's take. Um, I guess your take also, Dan, that um, back doors open. There's uh, it's too many points in general. But then also, if you kind of look at the history of these rivalries, this rivalry specifically, um, South Carolina's um, played better than expected whenever they're between the hedges. It's weird. Georgia crushes them a lot of times in South Carolina but then they play well when they're in Athens. It doesn't really make sense, but um, it always happens. And like even Georgia fans are aware of it. We talk about Penn state having that um, like once bitten twice shy thing with Illinois. I, I think Georgia fans have that with South Carolina, especially at home. They always underperform. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's really close. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 38, 17, as Ryan said, Um the question is just like, do you have the guts to bet on South Carolina and Spencer Rattler? And that's a hard hill to swallow. So I don't know if I'd actually do it, but I definitely am not going to bet Georgia just because of the history and everything Ryan said. 
Very good. Um, I like South Carolina plus the points, uh, but I, I might live bet it at halftime. I might get like plus 36 and a half or something like that. I don't know. I Can, can I, um, I have to say something with you bringing yeah. up live? This is your like peewee's uh, magic word of the day, live betting. So I don't watch commercials um, except during football season. It's the only time I really watched live TV at all. So I'm always amazed at like the types of things they're advertising. And, you know, we talk about the big 10 commercials, you know, we'll save that for later in the year. Those are always funny. But the one I've been seeing on ESPN a lot is um, it's for MGM and it's encouraging people to not just to gamble, but to live bet games. So it's like a commercial for live betting. And uh, I haven't seen this before. And even me as a degenerate gambler, we've been doing this podcast since what, 2011? I mean, you know, we are not averse to some of this activity, even before it was legal, we were, uh, well, I was going to say the person's name. I shouldn't say the person's name, but we've, we have bet with actual human bookies growing up. So, uh, you know, we're not averse to this, but to me, a commercial to a mass audience of people who are mostly new to the betting game on ESPN is basically like advertising cigarettes to children. I do. You, I don't know if you guys have thoughts or we could just move on. But to me, that was like, this is not hundred percent. Right. This is not for all of you. Like you got to ease into this. Yeah. Put, put down it, five bucks on Tennessee, Florida first. It's like skipping marijuana and going right to meth. Yeah. Like you, you can't it. make that jump. You gotta, you gotta have your gateways and your party drugs, then your addict drugs. You can't go all the way. No one just goes, you know what? I'm going to try heroin. Start there. It doesn't work like that. So I'm, I'm on board with that. Good analogy. That, that's an even better analogy. So yes, please, folks, for the love of God, if you're listening to the Take the Points College Football Podcast and you don't do much gambling or you've never done it and you want to dip your toes in, please just pick a side. Just pick a side, folks. No live betting until you're at least five years into this. Thank you. Okay, let's move on here a little bit. Uh, San Diego State travels to Oregon State. Oregon State minus 24 and a half, total 48. Okay, so it's 24 and a half this week against San Diego State. Oregon State laid 23 last week against UC Davis. That was the most wrong line of the entire last week, by the way. Um, Oregon State's really good. They are like Utah. It's like mirror image they're they're exactly the same team hard hit you in the mouth run the football play action to the tight end they're really really fun to watch and um san diego state lost at home by 25 to ucla last week and ucla ran for 270 yards and san diego state's quarterback threw three interceptions Oregon State's 2-0 against the spread. They're going to 3-0 this week. Lay the 24.5 with confidence. Oregon State, 44-6. That's my prediction on that one. Brian, any thoughts on uh, Oregon State? I mean, you're all over this. Um, We were were on this before the season even started. We knew they were going to be better. I mean, they're ranked 16th now, which is crazy. But, like, we were saying that they should have been ranked that high a month ago. So I love what they're doing. They always have skill position guys always, mm-hmm. um, you know, going back to Steven, uh, Steven Jackson and um, Ocho Cinco, 
Jacquez and James Rogers, like they always have speed and, uh, and they're just, now they finally have a, a coach with a system and, and they put it all together. So I love they're what they're so doing. good. I'll say right now, if, if, if Oregon state played Ohio state Saturday neutral field, I would bet money line Oregon state. I think they're a better team. That's how strong I feel about this team. So um, last, so last week, I mean, we were, we made the joke, you know, pac 12 is the best conference in America, you know, ha ha ha, LOL. Uh, it was like a funny thing at the time. Cause they were 13 and 0. Um, I'm here to say this now, like they might actually be the best conference in America and not just because of, you know, fluke records. Like I think the pac 12 is the best. And I think, uh, they've got multiple, I mean, obviously multiple top 25 teams, but there's multiple teams that belong in the top 10. And, uh, I mean, this might be the year folks for the first time in a while, we don't see a sec national champion. There's so many contenders from outside the sec and the, you know, Clemson that, uh, this might be the year. Tom, I was going to wait for this, but you just set me up. So here we go. We're jumping into a tarmac folks. Oh yeah. The tarmac report. And it's going to be a little bit of a different one. We're trying to mix it up here, you know, uh, over the years, trying to keep you guys on your toes. So this week we have a very special tarmac. It is going to consist of 12 people. And those 12 people are the 12 Pac-12 presidents who voted against the ESPN media deal last year. Oh, wow. And screwed over the best conference in college football, they ruined it. And it's, they all deserve every last president that voted against that media deal that would have paid each school $30 million a piece, 30. And they're just like, not enough. We need more. We're Stanford. Our endowment is $17 billion. We, we sneeze at 30 like it's a joke. And these assholes have ruined it. They've ruined West Coast athletics. They've ruined a great opportunity for college football this year. And moving forward, the coaches are young. Dillingham, DeBoer, these guys are so young. Lane, or, um, Lincoln Riley even, he's young as hell. So like, they, Dion is still you know young in the game as far as like, coaching and all that, like they just screwed up a conference with so much potential and they all deserve to get fired. Every last one of them. You're on the tarmac pack 12 presidents, idiots, greedy bastards. Well said, uh, well done, good, Ryan. good and poignant. I love it. The tarmac report remains just the greatest segment in all of podcasting or radio, not just sports, but everything. Um, and, and by the way, Washington State, congrats. I don't know if we're going to cover them this week, but huge win against Wisconsin as predicted here, of course. Oregon yep. State looks for real. I mean, USC, I know Oregon struggled, but like that was a tough place to play. I still think USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah are legit like playoff national championship type contenders. And then you've got like Washington State and Oregon and uh, Oregon state and UCLA is looking okay. And I mean, there are just so many good teams. There's going to be so many teams going to bowls from this conference. 
The only problem is they all got to play each other. Real quick, I just want to rip through Oregon State's schedule to show you uh, how very possible it is. They're ranked like third in the country around Thanksgiving. Check this out. 2-0 already. Home against San Diego State. Yep. At Washington, at Washington State. Mm, tough. But more physical. Yeah. Home against home against Utah. Very possible. At Cal. Home against UCLA. Yep. At Arizona. Yep. At Colorado, November 4th, which, by the way, is turning into the, the take the point Saturday of the year. Oh, wow. So, yeah, November 4th. Uh, we'll get to that, yeah. but that's that's the then, one to mark down. And then home against Stanford on November 11th. And then finishing the year, home against Washington at Oregon. But they might make it to that Washington game undefeated at... 10 and 0. So, yeah. I mean, I just like quick reactions to that. I would have them like eight and two and any, and there's no game where they're totally out of it. I make them a favorite in all those games. All eight. One, one last yeah. thing, by the way, how funny will it be if DJ Uyunglele has a better season than Cade Klubnik? He will. It's looking that way for sure. Yeah. It's funny because we've like, kind of not liked him and rooted, rooted against him this year. I'm like, yeah, DJ roll out, throw that ball. Like same, I'm all, I love same, it. same. Great. And what I Weird. realized is, it, uh, hang on just one second, Ryan. It's like, this is obvious in hindsight, but like we were too harsh on him. And like, obviously he was not the whole or even like a major fraction of the problem over there. Yes. Ryan. I give him a lot of shit when he became the starter and wasn't performing. But before that, we were all on the DJ hype train. I was oh, talking yeah. about him like in high school. I was like, guys, you got to see this freaking kid. His dad was a bodyguard for like Tupac. Like this guy is like the truth. And then we were all about him. We really, really were high on him. So it's nice to see that. Hey, guess what, Dan? If you bring a West Coast kid back to the West Coast, he's way more comfortable. You put him in Oregon with a bunch of weed a bunch of stony chicks. It's great. He's loving life. You put him down in the South with a bunch of uptight blonde chicks sipping white claws. He's not comfortable. No way. He's a South Central kid. I bet you'd be really fun to go to Oregon State. Like you're in the woods. They, they're like, uh, Oregon's the academic school. We know how to party way harder. Like I guarantee Oregon State is a really good time. Like, average campus buildings like kind of old from the 70s no one gives a shit because they don't go to class like off-campus parties at an old apartment complexes like I, i'm picturing what's going on there and i like it i'm picturing a lot of like three mile hikes that lead to major parties with bonfires and things like this you're totally right all right guys let, let's move on here we got some more lines we got a trio of Tom Z selections. I'm going to hit Tom with with a, with a three for Thursday. Let's go. These are right up his alley. Can't Here wait. Here we go. Minnesota at North Carolina. Love it. Been waiting. <laughs> been waiting for this one all day. North <laughs> North Carolina minus seven and a half. Total fifty one. Go right ahead, Tom. Oh, I, I I almost want to give this one to you guys because it's too easy. Um, first off. Remember two weeks ago when South Carolina put up 17 points against North Carolina and 
many people in the traditional media said, oh, things have changed at UNC. They've got a defense now. Gene Chiggins, sure, he's been horrible for 24 years, but he's got it down now. This is the year. Oh, turns out they should have lost to Appalachian State and needed double overtime to get that one done. Uh, They're still bad, and the over is probably the easiest bet of the week on this one. But if you're picking a side, uh, Minnesota's not as bad as you think. You know, people saw that first game against Nebraska where it was like 13-10. They're going to score a lot against this defense, and North Carolina's probably going to score a little more and win, but over is the bet. All right, me and Ryan will not be choosing any of these three games. We're going to keep it going. More Tom Z. Northwestern at Duke. Duke minus 18 and a half. another one. Total 48 and a half. I told you, so this isn't going to be in the recording that people listen to, but I told you before the show I had like two or three that I liked, and I didn't really have a strong opinion on the rest of the week. Um, so So I think there's four games I actually have a strong pick. You just, Penn State was the first. North Carolina was the second. And uh, this is the next one. Duke football, baby. This one is not even going to be close. Northwestern's the worst team in all college football. And Duke is the best Duke football team we've seen. So we got a guy who makes Daniel Jones look like a chump. All right, Tom, let's round it out. Oh, Ryan wants, this- to, Ryan wants to add to oh, this. Oh, sorry, go He's ahead. He's got some Riley oh. Leonard thoughts. Go right ahead. Actually, that was my question, Dan. Do you have up the you had the Heisman odds and you were talking about Hartman? What's the Riley Leonard Heisman hype right now? What's that number looking like? Just curious. I will look it up as I ask Tom his pick on this next game. It's not even a pick. I want to know if this is possible. Can you lay twenty eight and a half no. with Iowa and also take the under forty two against Western Michigan? That did, it's a tight situation. Yeah, it did cross my mind, but I don't think they're going to score 28. So I think you're going to want to go with the under only. I'm thinking 27 to 3. Okay. But I, 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 I appreciate the tight window. We love the tight, like high line, low total. And if you can sneak it in the window, the Iowa-Georgia window. But I don't think they're going to get there this one. By the way, folks, let's go back for one second. Mentally prepare yourself for 2024 NFL season where there are two starting NFL quarterbacks from Duke University. I know. Uh, Okay, I have Heisman odds up just for fun. Uh, uh, Riley's 80 to 1 to win the Heisman. Same odds as Cade Klubnick at Clemson. Put that bet in the fucking shredder. Um, Yeah, Sam Hartman, 15 to 1 now. Uh, 15 to 1. Sam's still the pick. He's he's got the, you know, I I don't want to call Bino Cook this early in the season, but I think Bino might have something to say about this later in the year. Riley, uh, like the schedule just yeah. will work against Duke. I mean, unless Duke pulls off a miracle like 11 in one year, it's just, it's too much. Alabama's quarterback, 90 to one. Just feed it right Worse in, than throw Duke. it in the garbage can. I know, just terrible. Is he, or, well, we're going to talk about Alabama probably, but I've seen, No, we're going to skip them, but go oh, right okay. ahead. Uh, is Jalen Milrow going to be the starting NFL uh, Alabama quarterback by week four? I don't know if, if they play anyone hard coming up, but 
I feel like they're he's going to be on the bench, and the transfer from Notre Dame is going to be in there. They got uh, South Florida this week, so that's a good opportunity to try out multiple quarterbacks. Very good. Got to do something. Okay, let's let's continue on. The two o'clock West Coast start. Very strange. Washington travels to Michigan State. Washington minus 16 and a half, total 55 and a half. Because of the weird news with Mel Tucker being a coaching influence on this game, Ryan, do you want to take this one? Well, Dan, I'm glad you asked. Because this is a great spot for Tarmac Report Part 2. Let's oh, go. Wow. Oh, <laughs> my fired. God. We're firing more people. You know who we're firing? More college presidents. Michigan State, your whole administration deserves to be fired. Not just fired, deported north to Canada. Get the shit out of here. Tarmac part two. We're going after the rich people this week. The presidents, you guys just brush this shit under the rug. You collect your checks. You don't care who gets hurt. Screw off all you. Get in your private planes and get the hell out. That's my thoughts on this week. Washington is going to blow them out by 45 points. Let's go. Fantastic. Great stuff there. Um, Look, uh, Washington mailed it in last week against Tulsa. Due to an illegal streaming website, I was able to watch the entire game. Um, their wide receivers like dropped passes and there was a bunch of fluke plays. Washington played the worst game they possibly could have and won by 34. Uh, Michigan State has no pass defense. And uh, I like the over 55 and a half a lot. I think there's a chance Washington hangs 56 on their own. Z. Well, if you asked me a week ago, I said I would have said Washington beats them and gets the over and uh there's nothing about this situation that makes me want to change that. I mean, it only strengthens strengthens it. Now, often when a bad coach like a Steve Adazio gets let go, we say that there's going to be a counter effect that it's actually going to make the team better. But given the situation, like I, I don't see how that happens. So um, I, I don't even need to factor in or comment on the Mel Tucker thing. I mean, there there's plenty of people doing that. I would pick Washington regardless. They're, Really good play. Our playoff pick, playoff national championship type competitor, uh, one of the best teams, maybe the best team from what we just called the best conference. I think they're going to destroy them. I really do. I hope so. I'll definitely be watching. All right, let's move on. Uh, Saturday night, Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee minus six. That's come down from seven and a half. Total 58 and a half. Ryan. This is actually way harder than I thought it was going to be. Like the six is what got me when it was, when it was seven and a half, it was like, Oh, well it's over a touchdown. It's rivalry game. You gotta, you gotta play that six is the little nerve wracking to me. I don't trust Florida. I don't trust Joe Milton on the road in this spot, in this first game in the swamp. That's a 7 PM Eastern game. That is terrifying. I would actually probably Dan, what's the over under? Fifty-eight and a half. 
God damn, Vegas is on that one too. This is this is kind of a stay away for me. I really can't I really can't feel have a feel for this game. I don't trust Florida at all, and I don't trust Milton on the road yet. Tom. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes the the you know games you want to watch the most are also the ones you want to p- pick the least. So I'm with Ryan 100%. Do not trust Joe Milton. And by the way, if Tennessee wins this game by like, you know, 14 points or something, you're going to see Joe Milton as a top Heisman candidate. Do not fall into the trap. Do not believe that. Trust no one. The truth is out there. Joe Milton is not a Heisman caliber quarterback. You guys are still in my thunder and I like it. This is my favorite play of the entire week. Under 58 and a half. Joe Milton sucks. Uh, Graham Mertz sucks. Florida knows the only way to win this game is like 16-13. Tennessee hasn't been able to run the ball at all so far against two cupcakes. Terrible rushing numbers. No one can throw it a mile, but he can't hit anybody. He can't. He's not accurate. Jamarcus Russell could throw it a mile. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to the Utah game where Florida couldn't move the ball. 58 and a half is a lot. That's a point a minute. I, I don't see it happening. Love the under in this game. I, I, I can't stress that enough. And even if this is a weird first half or somehow it's 21-17, six points in the second half. Like this, I, I love this bet. Please bet this, Tom. It's coming in. Okay, let's move on to a couple other rando games and close out this slate. There's a lot of garbage, so we're going to keep going through it. We're going to keep going down. We're going to go down a little further. BYU at Arkansas. Arkansas minus eight. Arkansas unranked still with uh, KJ and uh, the Sanders at running back. I don't get it. Total's only 48. Ryan, what what the fuck's going on with Arkansas and the respect they're not getting? Dan, I'm so glad you brought this up. This this has been just baffling to me. They should have been ranked in the preseason. Like they have a legitimate, legitimate college quarterback. Like he's not a Heisman contender. He could be. He's got that capability. They're just not that kind of offense. But uh I, I don't get it. I think they're probably in they should be to me around that like 18th or 19th in the country. I really do. I I'm all over this stand. This is my favorite play of the week. Um, I love Arkansas in this spot. I love Arkansas by double digits in this spot. It's a brutal place to play for BYU to have to go into to Fayetteville, Arkansas and deal with KJ. This is not BYU of old. They're, they're going to need a little bit of time. Tom, you got anything on this one? Yeah, I maybe I can help answer your question. You know, KJ Jefferson, they got a, a good newer coach, I think, and they're tough. And so I think they can be a sneaky team in the SEC since it's somewhat of a down year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat uh, an Alabama or LSU or one of those teams. Um, but, you know, I've watched a lot of Arkansas over the last couple of years. They're just, they're not killers. Like they'll win a game against somebody really good and then they'll barely beat somebody they should beat, and then they'll lose a game they should lose. So like they can't keep it together every week. And that makes me a little hesitant to lay more than a touchdown. So I think they're the side, but I'm not as confident about it because of their inconsistency. 
All right, sounds good. Let's move on. Syracuse at Purdue, the John Chima Invitational. Uh, Syracuse minus two and a half. Uh, somehow this is a national TV game. It must be a bad college football week. Uh, Ryan, can Syracuse get to 3-0? and Is Purdue any good? What's going on here? I think Syracuse does get to 3-0 and here. I mean, this is normally a spot where you would just ride with the home team getting points, but Schrader's like 28 years old, I think, at this point. He's not going to be intimidated going to Purdue. Like, that's not exactly a, a place to be scared of, you know, even for a night game. So I don't think Purdue's any good. I know I'm not the Big Ten expert. Tom's going to be a little higher on them than I am, but I don't think Purdue's any good at all. I don't think Syracuse is great, but I think Syracuse wins this game by probably seven to ten points. Z. The problem with this game is we don't know anything about Syracuse. Their uh, their big wins over Colgate and Wagner and Marathon Oil have not shown me enough to accurately predict this game. I think Purdue is probably in the, well, certainly in the bottom half of the Big Ten. And I don't think they're as good as they were last year. And uh, I think Syracuse beat them, right? Or it would, like came down to the wire. So I got to give a slight edge to Syracuse, but who knows, man? I mean, not enough, not enough tape on the Cuse this year. It's pretty even to me. It's a fl- coin flip, and the line kind of represents that. If I'm forced to watch this game with John Chima on Saturday, I'm betting the over, and that's it. Uh, okay, let's move on to Pitt, West Virginia. And before I ask your pick, it is that time, gentlemen, for yes. the Your Opinion is Wrong game of the week. West Virginia, minus two and a half, total 47, night game, Morgantown, Neil Brown, Nardog. Tell me your sharp picks. Let's start with you, Tom. Well, you know, I'm going to make this easy because to me, it's very simple. First off, you cannot go against the Nard Dog. The coaching advantage is massive in this game. Nard Dog over Neil Brown. So Pitt is obviously going to win this game, and it's going to be an under. I mean, it's a night game. It's a backyard brawl. It's going to be tough. So Pitt in the under. Easy, easy pick. Pitt in the under, huh? So you're going to bet on Nard Dog on the road after he was down 27-7 to against Mighty Cincinnati last week. And you're going to bet an under against Neil Brown, who can't coach any defense whatsoever. Uh, no chance either picks coming in. Ryan, what do you got? Oh, well, I'm just so glad Tom went with a complete wrong choice because the play is actually the complete opposite. It's West Virginia, the home team in a rivalry game. You have to take the home team in a rivalry game. It's less than a field goal. It's an easy, easy play. And it's a night game. It's a party. They're going to be lighting couches on fire. They're going to be lighting trees on fire. They might light a few people on fire. Who knows? It's Morgantown. Anything can happen. I'm going to go West Virginia, and I'm going to go the over. West Virginia, the over. Those are both wrong. This is Nardog. This is what he does. In September, he loses a game, but he wins the rest. You know how this works. They like to blow a game against the MAC team and then beat Clemson. They like to do this every year. They lost last week. You don't worry about Nardog. He'll get on. He'll get on the bus. They'll go 120 miles south of the Berg. 
They'll invade West Virginia and take care of business. And an over in that environment, have you been to West Virginia? These people eat raccoons. There's no way an over is coming in. So under, no, it's just the, 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 those two picks are just are outlandish. And I'm disappointed in both of you. So, so tarmac is the greatest segment ever, but this one is rapidly approaching the, your opinion is wrong game of the week. Dan, before we, very well done, very well done. Maybe your best. I do want it. However, if it doesn't ruin things for you as a Pittsburgh native, I do kind of want to hear, you don't have to pick, but I do want to hear your actual thoughts on this one or on the rivalry. My actual thought is that Nardog loses a game in September every year. And then, then somehow when you think they can't win, possibly you look up and they're six and two and they're ranked 22nd. And this is just classic issue Nardog. So they'll find a way to win this game 1916. And I forgot to bring up that awful BC quarterback transfer. He's just awful. They should definitely go to the French. What did I say? What did I say? Did, Christian right. Villeu will be starting by week six. He should be starting. Let me, let me tell you something else. We got Drew Aller at Penn State. All right. We got Bo Pribola, the backup at Penn State, who is too good to be a backup, and he will be starting somewhere else next year. Christian Villeu will be starting at Pitt, and Penn State's third stringer is a uh, he's three star, but he's like a very good three star. He was the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. And for some reason, he chose to come to Penn State and be the third stringer. Um, I think he's going to leave seeing Drew Aller starting the next year or two. And I think you're going to have four Penn State starters starting in college next year. Very possible. We'll make it'll make the uh, Will Levis situation look like nothing. I like it. Okay, let's move on to the late night Saturday slate. A couple games, we'll wrap this up. Hawaii at Oregon. Oregon minus 38, total 68 and a half. I'll take this one. This is your first half bet of the week. Hawaii can't stop anything. Oregon's got Colorado next week. They're going to arrest everybody. Oregon's going to score on every possession in the first half with ease. Or Hawaii is terrible. Uh, th- this feels like 49 nothing or seven at half. Second half is going to get weird. Oregon will bench everybody. I'm not sure, but go ahead and lay the like 24 in the first half and, and lay it with ease. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about that one anymore. And let's see here. Last game on the slate that I want to talk about Colorado state at Colorado. Jay Norvell took a shot at Dion this week and said that when he talks to his team, he takes off his hat and sunglasses and addresses them like men. Is Steve Adazio still in the building? Because this sounds like some propaganda that no one needs to hear. It's 2023. He's so jealous. He's like a jealous ex. That's what he sounds like. Ryan, you got a pick in this game. Coach Prime is going to beat the bag off of these guys this is gonna get ugly Shador is gonna throw for 600 yards like this is a home game this is the prime time prime game show it off because they know they got Oregon USC the next two weeks so they have to make a statement right now and get that ranking as high as they can to help absorb those two potential losses coming up 
This is an easy, easy play. Highest alt line you can find. Minus 30 is a play. That's smart. I like it. Tom, you got anything? Yeah, I, w- I would have leaned Colorado to begin with, but you know, I'm glad you brought this up because after that statement, it's all Coach Prime. I mean, that that thing he said, like, first off, why would you give a guy like Dion who thrives off of this kind of stuff? Why would you give him any kind of message board material? But then also what he said specifically, I mean, there's definitely some undertones to that statement. This reminds me of like when clubs said you can't wear, you know, jerseys or Timberlands in like 2003 there's a meaning behind the meaning. And uh, I think Dion's going to just destroy him. No mercy, no letting up. Yeah. Like 60 to 17. Although let me add one more thing. Did you guys happen to see the other Dion social media this week where he wished his son, Dion Sanders, Jr. Oh, yeah. a happy birthday. And then went and ranked ranked his, his five yep. children in order of how much he, he likes them. And the cornerback Shiloh was dead last. He's getting a pick this week. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And I laughed because like there was definitely some truth to the rankings. Like he was not just doing a joke for the guy's birthday. He definitely had Shador was third. I think their daughter was second. And then Shiloh was down last. It's true. Uh, well, that's all the games I have. Do you have any ones that you'd like to talk about that I missed? I have one, but it needs to be last, so I defer to Ryan first. Yeah, I have one game, Dan, and I can't believe you missed it because this is the most important game in Take the Points history. Oh, I think this is mine, too. How can you not have under 53.5 in New Mexico versus New Mexico State? This is the game that we got famous for. I'm convinced that this this was the launching pad for Take the Points was the New Mexico, New Mexico State game because we were the first podcast that was all about this and talked about it in depth and knew how easy it was to make money on this game. Take the under 53 and a half, not going to happen. Pretty good. Tom, anything else? That was also my game and my pick. Very good. All right. Well, it's a light college football week. Uh, enjoy Ooh. it because the schedule ramps up. Ryan has some more. One more. One more. Love TCU in the bounce back spot this week at Houston. Houston is awful. Total frauds. TCU minus seven and a half is an easy play. They're going to win this game by 10, 10 or more without any issue at all. Don't even worry about backdoors with Dana. He's a disaster. I, one more I'll mention. I don't have a I don't have a line or a pick in this game, but this is like a, a shockingly good non-power five game, which is James Madison at Troy. Two really really good non-power five teams matching up early in the season. So, uh, you know, put that on your four screen if you have YouTube TV. It's on the NFL Network, folks. NFL Network is showing is that game. Well, oh it, yeah, how it's high quality. That's how unbelievable. All right. Any closing thoughts, Tom? No, I mean, you know, we're gearing up for the season still. Uh, John Chima is coming out. So he's coming to Phoenix this week. So I'm hoping that we can get him on for a 10 minute impromptu podcast. But if not, you know, we'll be back early next week. And uh, I I don't know. I think we covered a lot and uh, we'll save more thoughts for later in the season. But do you guys have anything? 
No, nothing. Pretty quiet week. Enjoy the games. Uh, we'll give you a full Chima breakdown. There'll be some quotable material to add to his legacy. And uh, I talked to him on the phone today for the first time in like 20 years or something. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, John Chima. Yeah, so, folks, um, you, yeah, folks listening fun. to this, I mean, unless you're our friends from high school, you don't know who John Chima is. All I'm going to say is tune in next week because he's the funniest human alive. And Dan and Ryan are probably going to have... 20, 30 minutes of stories about him to start the show. That's correct. All right. Well, until next week, have a good week. Enjoy the games and uh, have fun. Take the point. 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 Take the point.